Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Thursday, September 28th, and I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. What's up? Good morning, guys. Good morning. What's up? What's up? Love and appreciate all y'all, as usual, and we're about to roll some crime time. I was going to throw in a few pieces of useless banter, but I know you're on a tight schedule. I am, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'll let let us go forward here. That's right. right. It's Thursday, Thursday. Oh, that's right. Thirsty Thursday. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to look this first story right out the gate is just absolutely insane. A 10 year old Florida boy and his 11 year old sister who were running away to California drove 200 miles in their mother's car before they were stopped by sheriff's deputies on an interstate highway. Mm. Sheriff's office deputies spotted the sedan on I-75 near Gainesville in North Florida just before 4 a.m. on Thursday of last week. The children's mother had reported it stolen and that her children and her children missing four hours earlier in Northport, a city in southwest Florida. The deputies, thinking they were dealing with car thieves, drew their guns and ordered those inside the vehicle to step out. Much to their surprise, deputies observed a 10-year-old male driver exit the vehicle along with his 11-year-old sister. The children told deputies the girl had been upset that their mother had taken away her electronic devices for misbehaving. So the boy... Who was dri- said he was driving her to California where she wanted to go. <laughs> Man, you can't make this shit up. Right. Uh, the children were interviewed by detectives who said there was no indication they had been mistreated by their mother or anyone else in the home. The mother declined to press charges, obviously, right. and the children were released back in her custody. The name of the mother and children were not released. Well, the 10-year-old must have been pretty good behind the wheel. Right. He had to be, because right. he was making good time, too. My so. daddy would have beat <clears throat> my ass. crazy. Well, he, he, but no jail time neither if, if I'd have done that. Well, Where do you want to go, right? sister? Yeah. yeah. Dumbass kids, it would have cost a shit ton to get all the way to California. They should have run away to Georgia. At least they could have afforded to got, have gotten there. I don't, I don't uh, know how much money uh, they had yeah, in their pockets. But that, uh, must have been a tall 10-year-old to even see out the... Well, I'll tell you about this next guy who ran. Woody's in a hurry. And <laughs> yeah, this next guy ran, and he ran, and he did it well for many years. And he was from Louisiana, Ringgold, Louisiana, to be exact. And, y'all, that's... Um, just south of Minden, uh, in the middle of the state, in between Shreveport and, let's say, Ruston. But Greg Lawson, 63, was dragged back onto U.S. soil after a tipster reported seeing him in southwestern portion of Mexico. The attempted murder is in handcuffs for the first time in 32 years, y'all. He is an been on the agency's wanted list since May 1991 when he vanished from the rural community of Ringo, um, and the, which only has a population of about 1,000 a, a people, y'all. Lawson 
had been found guilty of attempted second-degree murder for trying to gun down his childhood friend in what the community remembers as the biggest shootout they had ever seen. Lawson, who was 31 then, had tried to run his victim, Seth Garlington's car, off the road moments earlier, leading to a fight in the gas station parking lot where guns were then drawn. Garlington survived his injuries, leading to Lawson's conviction. But Lawson skipped town before the jury could hand down the verdict, right? I don't even know how that happens. But the FBI followed numerous leads and alleged sightings across the U.S. over the past 32 years and tried to renew the efforts in 2007 by offering a $10,000 reward for his whereabouts. Finally, a solid tip and a coordinated effort with Mexican immigration authorities ultimately put him back behind bars. Lawson was deported on immigration violations and escorted to Houston, where he was handed off to the Louisiana police, who had been looking for him for decades. And, y'all, there's no doubt that Mr. Lawson might still be in the wind if the law enforcement in Mexico hadn't partnered up with the U.S. officials and dealt with this thing swiftly. Right. Thirty-two years. Had you had you heard of the the case before? Had no, you heard his uh, name? no. That, I don't think that. I mean, I was just, just a little bit before my time. I was working in corrections, but I hadn't heard of it. That's a small town. I actually had to look it up. Um, I'd heard of it, but I don't think I've ever been there. I mean, a thousand Who, people after that many 13, years. You think people. you're you think you're. Yeah, I mean, they, they, what, they haven't gotten what, you I yet. Mean, how much crazy. money could this dude have? He's probably making tacos or something down in. in Oaxaca. Well, better than where he's going to be yeah, making tacos yeah, right. now. Better than going yeah. to Aunt Bloody Angola or podcasts right. and drop every Thursday. <laughs> Let's go to my favorite state. Uh, Pennsylvania. Am I right? The Keystone State. Is that Pennsylvania? Yeah, Pennsylvania. More specifically Wyoming, to the city of brotherly love. Yep. Pennsylvania. Where I've never experienced any brotherly love. But about that game on Monday night. They're, I don't care if they go 16 and 0, leave it alone. And I go in 16. I've won a game. I might go right. one in 15. Right. A married Pennsylvania cop is facing felony strangulation charges nice. after being filmed forcibly arresting his mistress while trying to force her out of his trailer. Right. Ronald Keith Davis, age 37, was arrested on September 21st. He's accused of abusing his authority to forcibly arrest girlfriend Michelle Perfinov in August after a lover's tiff and have her committed to a mental hospital in Williamstown, Pennsylvania. Perfinov was living in Davis's camper van at the time after a four-month romance, but the pair's relationship had kind of fallen apart. Rather than simply break up, like most human beings would do, Davis obtained a petition to have her involuntarily committed to a mental institution. Back on August 21st, he was filmed by a colleague arresting her after chasing her down. He sat on her, laid down on her, and grabbed her by the legs throughout this. He basically tackled her like a football tackle. There's a video of uh, of this that we will... Uh, that we will post. There's a little Holy picture. Sex. It's gross. She's tiny. Yeah, and right. He just uh, he got her some real estate. It's a disturbing right. video yeah. as well. Perfinov was taken to the hospital and was held for multiple days before being released. Now the tables have turned, and it's Davis who is facing charges, including false imprisonment, 
strangulation, recklessly endangering another person, and assault. In text messages, he told her, quote, you're done. F around and find out. Get out of my house now. Nice. She had told him she was going to drive, quote, off a cliff, but later told police she was not actually suicidal. She was only saying that to elicit a reaction from him. Mm. Davis was off duty at the time of the arrest. He had first gone to the station to obtain the involuntary commitment petition, then told his colleagues that he would take matters into his own hands after they were unable to find Perfinov. I'll take care of it myself, he said, before going off to find her. He knew he'd find her at that uh, uh, van or camper. Uh, camper. Or Assisted by a civilian companion, he tracked her to the Pennsylvania State Game Lands in Weiser State Forest and attempted to carry her to his car before she began to fight back. The video released by the DA's office shows her lying beneath him, streaked with dirt and nearly half his size, almost freeing herself from his grip before he being slammed down on the ground again. She was taken to the hospital again where she was held for several days. This is when she told cops about how their romance fell apart. She told Davis she wanted to move to a new city and start over, which outraged him. Texts revealed her frustration with Trooper Davis and his controlling behavior and her desire to break off the relationship, not a true desire to harm herself. The criminal complaint accuses Davis of knowingly and intentionally impeding the breathing or circulation of the blood of another person by applying pressure to the throat or neck. It says he restrained her in circumstances exposing her to the risk of serious bodily injury, and in doing so, he violated Section 2902 of the Pennsylvania Crime Code, which refers to unlawful restraint. Davis was charged. As we know, he's remanded without bail, and an arraignment will take place actually this week. So I want you to go. Go on the record um, when, when Jim chokes you out after the challenge. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna lie and say you, you're suicidal. And all well, there'll be shit. no tackling incident. I'll already be on the ground full of egg, and it's just <laughs> the application <laughs> of a hole. How you know you're not gonna get tackled? I'm gonna hit you low and take you out your feet, and then he's gonna come behind you. <laughs> well, that's oh, not. We're, that's, we're not gonna that's get not into sanctioned, details. Woody. That's not sanctioned. If the that's board approves you tackling me, then tackle me. No, nah, I'm too old for that. All right, the uh, mother of Idaho murder victim Ethan Chapin stuns true crime convention CrimeCon with a surprise cameo. Ethan Chapin's mother, Stacy, stunned a packed auditorium when she made an emotional surprise appearance during a forensic expert's talk at the University of Idaho Student Murders Friday at the True Crime Conference, CrimeCon. Uh, Joseph Scott Morgan, who is a professor of applied forensics. You familiar with that, mm-hmm. Woody? Um, at Jacksonville State University in Alabama and host of a different podcast than ours. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Held a lecture uh, titled The Idaho Murders, an Expert Forensic Analysis, based off of his experience as a forensic investigator and available documents. He spoke for about an hour during one of 12 lectures. Uh, during the presentation, a uh, lady stood up. She said, I'm Stacy Chapin. I'm Ethan's mom. She said, after waiting in line to take the mic during a question and answer period, uh, she said she didn't sit through the entire uh, presentation because it was too hard to watch right. for obvious reasons. The crowd of about 3,200 in Florida gasped together and then began to applaud her. In brief emotional remarks, she wiped away tears to say she appreciated Morgan for opening with the remarks on the four students. 
Uh, and it was really a cameo appearance no one knew about. Right. right. Um, and of course, these crime conventions now, they're becoming. We were supposed to be you there. Know, bigger and bigger. 3,200 <clears throat> people but, oh, this, at this one particular but that, this is, speaking that's day. That's right. When they have one room doing, they have like six rooms at, at a time. You get to choose which presentation yeah. you want to go to. Crime Con, it also has Podcasters Row for all the true crime podcasters. Mm-hmm. And we were scheduled to be there, but I was out of town. Um, uh, we chose to do Cold Case Files instead. But, yeah, that's uh, – I mean, so applied forensics, all that means is is everything you use in investigation from fingerprinting to interrogation techniques or whatever. So this guy, I read this, what he was doing, he went through, he, he opened with the four victims and who they were and talked about them, and, and as you should, any good story, set it up. Sure. And then he went through the actual crime scene uh, uh, as much as he could. But, yeah. And then the Did victims, she think it would be... Therapeutic for her. I, mean, I, I think that. So let me tell you something. CrimeCon sells out every every time, and those tickets are like seven, eight hundred bucks. And, um, and so she, but they have it listed ahead of time who's speaking and on what. And so I guess she knew about that because I thought about that last night. I think she knew about it and and she wanted to go here. What was said? Yeah, and and this guy did an entire podcast based around that. She. I'm sure she's heard it, and uh, right. maybe she I might have just wanted right. to meet the guy and right. and uh, tell him and thanks, all of that, tell him thank you yeah. or um, that sort of thing. So yeah, crazy, and um, yeah, that's such a crazy story. There's more stuff coming out about that all the time, right? Hundred percent. So, well, all right. Well, I'll take you to the next one. A jury found a 42-year-old man guilty of attempting to murder his son. With a sledgehammer while the 24-year-old slept. Anthony Nardina was convicted of attempted murder, aggravated mayhem, and assault with a deadly weapon in connection with the attack on his son. Nardinia, um, Nardini and his son, who remained unnamed, had recently reconnected after being estranged. The two were residing in an unincorporated part of Ventura County, and got into a physical altercation the night of March the 19th, 2023. Family members reportedly broke up the fight, and Nardini went out to his car. When he came back inside, the victim was sleeping on the couch. That's kind of fast. But Nardini insisted that others in the house head to bed, and once they did that, he beat his son with the sledgehammer. Jesus right? Family members rushed downstairs to help the victim who had a severe head injury. And Nardinia ran like a little bitch. Deputies who arrived at the home reportedly located a bloody sledgehammer outside. Medics rushed the son to the hospital where he was placed in a medically induced coma for several days. Y'all know he was in bad shape then, right? But he survived. And according to the statement, Nardini um, faces up to life in prison with the possibility of parole. He'll be sentenced on November one. Ever been wow. some average kids want to hit him in the head with a sledgehammer? That would be a negative. No, right? And I've been so, plenty mad. Yeah, that's that's I, a really really think about a sledgehammer hitting your head and you lived. It's horrible. And your daddy did it to you. And your daddy did it to you, right? Or at least your sperm donor. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Let's go to New York. New York. That's quite that's so your old stomping grounds. Queens, New York, as a matter of fact. Were you born there? I was born in New York. I was born. That, that legend of Ago was born. West Islip, New York. The depraved ringleaders of a Queens-based nationwide sex trafficking and prostitution ring yeah. with significant ties to China mm. posed for cheery selfies hours after a victim they targeted was viciously beaten with a rolling pin mm. by their enforcers. The Doai duo manager, Wang Wan Chen, and her boss, Rang Rang Zhu. Wait. Jim, you can go. You, you want to take on Wang Wang Chen? Wang Wang Ching. <laughs> it wasn't Ching, it was Chen. Uh, Ching. And Rang Rang Zhu. Say it. Rang, rang, rang like Kong. Mm. Rang Rang Zhu. Rang Rang Zhu. <laughs> That was, your rong rong zoo was better than your one one yeah, chance. I feel like I'm at, at the noodle place, the Asian place, and I ordered, and they were hollering like that in that language. Mm-hmm. Pretty certain this bit, when we do it, does not help our Asian audience composition. But yeah, um, right. the Doe Eye Duo were part of a Flushing Queens based sex ring that extended all the way to Oregon and included hundreds of sex workers. Wow. Most members of the ring were migrants from China forced to hand over their passports. This is according to U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of New York, Brian Peace. Prosecutors said both women made numerous trips from Flushing's Chinatown back to China. Wang Wan Chen, 30, was indicted on September 15th after Zhu, who's 31, was arrested last year. The selfie they took together just hours after allegedly having their enforcers torture rival sex workers at a Kansas hotel was included in paperwork prosecutors filed to deny Chen bail. I'm showing these guys the picture of these two. I mean, it's just hard to believe that these two were the ringleaders of the sex They were the ringleaders of sex girls. Yeah. Um, uh, Well, how much money they made. Well, we're, we're actually going to get into that. They talk about it. So, you know, in complete disregard for the victim, the two women posed for nearly a dozen selfies, smiling and having fun hours after the victims had been viciously beaten, according to the prosecutors. Crazy. The pair ruled with an iron fist, circulating videos of rivals being tied up and beaten by hammers, wrenches, and baseball bats to deter them from working for competitors or for themselves. Days after the alleged traffickers had another woman duct taped and brutalized with a baseball bat. The women made depraved jokes about the attack, according to court filings. Quote, serves this woman right to get beaten. Really brought this evil evil on herself. After a period of time, we'll need to beat her again. Zhu texted her partner, who responded with a laughing, crying emoji. Later that day, Zhu told Chen that it was, quote, too easy to kill a person in America. That it was like killing a chicken. Wan Wan Chen responded with laughter. Zhu was the alleged leader of the organization, and Wan Wan was her right-hand woman, prosecutors said. Chen boasted that she recruited 90% of the group's sex workers, often women without legal status in the U.S. She also pinpointed where rivals operated, down to the hotel room number, and had the idea to share videos of their beatings to discourage competition. On September 14th, a judge denied bail to Chen, citing the weight of the evidence and her significant ties to China. The two of them were making nearly $2 million a year. 
uh, running this operation, That's which crazy. was headquartered in China. And crazy. Sex trafficking again, right? Yeah. Thought a book at him. Right. Yeah. This, um, uh, this consultant that commented, uh, name is Shobana Powell, said that probably more than 90% of prostitution at this point is sex trafficking. Right. New York Police Department and the police in Queens can do a better job of strategizing demand reduction, and we do not need to wait until we have these cases to really start tackling prostitution and stop normalizing it. And, you know, if, if you know that, uh, that it's 90% of it is people who have been sex trafficked, I, I don't know why they wouldn't be more aggressive right. combating it. Well, we're going to bring you to Tennessee, and a Memphis couple is now filled with fear after being shot at while chasing suspects who broke into their car. Memphis police uh, say a target run for one couple turned quickly into a shootout last Thursday night. Uh, Memphis police say the couple was leaving Target in East Memphis around 9.30 p.m. when they noticed the sunroof of their vehicle was broken. A man went to approach the people sitting next to the car in a gray two-door infinity. Uh, They told police the suspect sped off. The man and his girlfriend then followed them out of the parking lot. Detectives say that's when the passenger leaned out of the infinity and fired six shots at the couple. Nice. The man fired four shots in return. He was also armed before going back to the target to flag down an officer. The suspects were inside the same two-door infinity as the driver and passenger were, who were captured firing rounds into oncoming traffic in a separate incident earlier in the week. Police have not said if the cases are connected, but they're thinking they are. Uh, investigators say 19 shell casings and a handgun were, were recovered at the earlier incident scene. No one was struck, but a woman did report her vehicle was hit by gunfire. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so you, Wild West. And chasing, chasing, chasing them down, the people. Firing them. Look, and you're shooting back and forth, and an innocent person sure could have got shot in a heartbeat. Bullets flying everywhere. Can't can't control that. uh, Been to Memphis many times, man. It's getting rough in Memphis. Getting rough. And I don't don't get it. Dueling, not dueling banjos, dueling pistols, and not not horses, infinities, right? Yeah. So let's go to Florida, where a woman was arrested after attacking two people at a local pool in Lady Lake, which is about an hour north of Orlando. Deputies with the Sumner County Sheriff's Office responded to a disturbance call at around 2 a.m., and the female victim reported that she was by the pool with the male victim doing some stretches when the suspect approached them aggressively. She said the 41-year-old accused them of inappropriate activities and shoved and smacked her, it almost sounds like a kinky crime. The deputy <laughs> wrote that the victim had a red mark on her face consistent with the account and then made contact with the male victim who agreed that the suspect was pissed. She attacked us, alleged the man whose name was redacted from, uh, in the report, in which noted that he was in a domestic relationship with the defendant. Oh, so I see. Uh, he, he got caught nah, with a woman at the like pool. Yeah. Mm. The accused woman who had been detained in the back of the patrol car was taken into custody in Sumner County Detention Center and released hours later on a $500 bond. The woman was charged with a 
count each of battery, domestic violence, and battery touch or strike, and the judge has issued a no contact order. Hmm. So, stretching. They were doing, he was doing stretches. Yeah, by I the bet pool, he was doing stretches. With his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and she came up and whooped that ass. I'm just doing some yoga. <laughs> I didn't catch it. Dude. I was like, "Oh, that's so crazy!" But yeah, but the, that this, was his wife. Doesn't, doesn't he have to press charges there? I mean, uh, state can pick up uh, uh, domestic violence charges. So <laughs> the that's that's crazy. Though. Oh, it seems like one where the cops would go, "Okay, we know we get what's going yeah, on here," maybe, and you know, maybe he invited this girlfriend over to the pool. Otherwise, if she lived in the same complex, why didn't he just go in their house? Yeah. <laughs> stretch there, right? Stretch there. Stretching by the pool. My goodness. That's what they call it these days, yeah. stretching. stretching by the pool. <laughs> we were out here stretching. Yeah, out here. About no, to run a marathon. Right, right. You're yeah. doing a downward dog. <laughs> <laughs> downward dog. So, yes. So when you, uh, when you think about countries that would probably have tough prisons, doesn't Venezuela seem like a place oh, yeah. that would probably oh, have yeah. really tough prisons? I think so. But I think I saw a a special in one of their prisons. Well, get this. More than 11,000 Venezuelan troops raided and regained control of a notorious prison from a powerful gang that had set up its own zoo, what? pool, and casino for wow. the inmates to enjoy. Wow. Mm. Tocaron Prison had served as the headquarters of the Tren de Aruga, criminal gang for years. I'm sure I butchered that. Inside, inmates and some of their relatives or partners who moved into the penitentiary were able to roam freely throughout the detention facility and enjoy its resort-like amenities. Venezuela's interior minister, Remigio Ceballos, said that the jail would be completely cleared and inmates would be moved to another facility. Venezuelan president, Nicolas Maduro, congratulated law enforcement for the raid. I congratulate the more than 11,000 members of the FANB and police forces for the successful intervention of the Tocaron Penitentiary Center. How could it possible be possible that so he didn't know exactly what was the, going on? The, they do, yeah. because uh, I have seen a special, and I don't know if it's that, that exact. Okay, or, I'm sorry. Okay. No, no. The, I've seen a special, but they basically lock them in there. And it's a free for all. It's uh, they bring in prostitutes and and drugs and whatever. That's exactly what this turned into. So, except I guess at a point the government decided right, right. they didn't like the deal anymore. Now we prepare for the second phase of the liberation operation. We are going towards a Venezuela free of criminal gangs. So mm. this is targeting the gangs. However, it appears some inmates escaped during the operation as a later government statement announced a search and capture operation to track down fugitive criminals. Local media reported that the leader of this gang, Hector Guerrero Flores, may be among those who fled, but the government has not named any of the escapees. Flores had been serving a 17-year sentence inside the prison for murder and drug trafficking. Few details about the raid have been released. The Venezuelan army reported one casualty, a major who died after hitting his head on the door of an armored vehicle. Security guards were seen carrying motorcycles, televisions, microwaves, and other appliances out of the jail. From the jail, uh, 
uh, Tren de Arugia ruled an international criminal enterprise spanning all the way to Chile. The facility was outfitted with a zoo that had an ostrich and flamingos, a children's play area, a swimming pool, a gaming <laughs> room, insane. casino, and a baseball field. Those locked inside had the freedom to bet on horses, arrange loans at a makeshift bank, and even spend <laughs> the night dancing at a nightclub called Tokyo. Locals even locals even went to the prison for food and other supplies when necessities became hard to come by. The existence of such a large operation run from a prison by the country's most feared gang has led to speculation that Venezuelan officials may have negotiated with them up right. front to arrange this. That's crazy. That reminds me of Pablo Escobar's prison that he built yes. for himself. Yeah. Yeah. And a room, zoo casino. and a nightclub and – DraftKings. Everything else. Yeah, yeah. They had it all. Well, and, you know, interestingly enough, Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola, you, you, they had gambling way back in the day. Me and Woody have covered. Gambling, yeah, and and loans. Way. Yeah. They, you, they had inmate loan programs. Yeah. They, they, they loan. Yeah. Inmates actually loan. The, the they made money. their own they fund. Had, had their own and bank. they would loan, yeah. it, loan oh, it. Oh, the inmates were loaning it to, yeah. like. <laughs> Other inmates, corrections and officers, like and back in the forties and thirties, or forties, um, fifties. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, it was a real deal because they they wrote it up in Angola, like yep. um, two or eight inmates got approved for loans today, and two of them didn't. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, how bad does your credit have to be if you can't get a loan? From the, <laughs> I know from, uh, from the inmate loan bank. Well, it was right. probably what's his name? It was in for counterfeiting, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Billy Cannon. Billy Cannon. Yeah. Yeah. He, who told well, he was the dentist, wasn't he? Yes, but he told he me. Was, he, but he, he, he was, but he was in federal so. prison for counterfeiting yep. prior to that. All right. Um. You can now take off that belt and move freely around the cabin. Mile high crimes for Thursday, and we've got a tough one for you today. A woman was arrested Thursday for starting a fight at a Nashville International Airport. Uh, Autumn Cathy causing, was causing a commotion to various businesses inside the airport and attacked an elderly woman. Mm. According to the arrest warrant, officers responded to a call about a fight inside a restaurant inside that airport. And at one point during the chaos, uh, Autumn Cathy started yelling at an 81-year-old woman before punching the woman with a closed fist holding a cell phone. 81 years old. 81 years old. The victim suffered bruising and a quarter-inch laceration above her left eye. The two apparently had a short conversation before Kathy punched the victim. When officers arrived, many witnesses and the victim all provided the same information on the incident. After the attack, Kathy continued walking through the concourse, destroying a display and knocking off several businesses, knocking items off numerous business shelves. When law enforcement confronted Kathy, she resisted arrest by going limp and pulling away many times. She also called the officers uh, racial slurs, such as mayo monkey. What? Haven't heard that one. Mayo monkey. And spit on an operational firearm commander's uh, head and neck go. during the arrest. There's That's nothing no, going to no, show up. No, no spitting. Right. No spitting. And Kathy was taken into custody and charged with elderly abuse. Right. 81 years old. Punched her right in the Hope face. She gets some punches in the face. Yeah, uh, disgusting. Really, it's crazy. What did she call her? A what? Monkey? Mayhem monkey. A mayo monkey. 
That's a, what yeah, is that? I have no idea. A white monkey, I guess. Mayo like mayonnaise. Oh, I thought you said mayo. Oh, no, mayo. Mayo, mayo mayonnaise. Monkey. Oh, that might be a racist term. Then. Oh, it was. Okay. Wow. So, I've oh, never heard that. There. Okay. That was a good one. I got a feeling this got is going to be the best kinky crime. Woody's got wow. a big picture we in got front a big of old him. picture, and y'all, this one's going to be long but distinguished. So here we go. A woman who calls herself the taboo goddess and charges a hundred and fifty. I like her already. Right, and charges hundred and fifty an hour for providing dominatrix services. Was mm. arrested last week at a house in Stillwater where she kept. Her sex dungeon, the cops said. Crystal Ann Taylor, 41, of Stillwater, was arrested on suspicion of prostitution and taken to jail. Police began investigating Taylor after neighbors who lived near the tan split level house that Taylor dubbed the Taboo Dungeon called police to rewrite. <laughs> I love it. They called police to report that there was, was a high volume of traffic by men at the house. Uh, Bet there Imagine was that. who stayed anywhere from one to two hours. There's another giveaway, <laughs> at least in 15 minutes. Taylor, also known as Crystal Ann Zimmerman, regist- registered a dominatrix website in April. So, y'all go look that up. Mm. Taylor and her boyfriend were renting the house turned dungeon. The house is in a residential neighborhood near a junior high school in Lakeview Hospital. The entire main level of the residence was set up as a her sex dungeon. And there were six homemade pieces of bondage apparatuses and bondage furniture, items clearly used to restrain people, pornographic photos on the wall, and one of the bedrooms in the basement contained wigs, boots, costumes, makeup, and notes related to what particular men might have wanted done to them. This is all according to the chief of the uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma Police Department. Other other items found in the house included latex gloves, uh-oh, handcuffs, <laughs> sex toys, bondage apparatuses, personal lubricant, adult diapers, that's a wear, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the case for an electronic fly swatter. In the my hell? T- right? I think I've, that's some kinky shit there, kinds, boy. It's <laughs> like the world go around, right? In my 20 years of law enforcement experience, I've never seen anything like this, the chief said. Police began surveillance on the house and the investigation of Taylor after receiving complaints from neighbors in August. There were things going on at that residence that they thought were odd, the police said. (laughs) The surveillance conducted on the residence showed that no one stayed at the residence on a continual basis. Police stopped several men after they left the house and were able to track down Taylor's ad on Backpage.com. Her Taboo Goddess website and her cell phone number. The website says the Taboo Dungeon is in Stillwater and discretion is assured, I bet. If you have ever wished to submit to the desires of a beautiful woman with a petite athletic physique, you will find your way to me, the website says. Mm. I am a unique, one-of-a-kind goddess. Sensual, playful, adventurous, mischievous, mischievous, yet can be very deviant, too. For those of you who have been extremely naughty, I have all the implements and the equipment necessary to correct your behavior. And 
recommended donations are 150 an hour or 225 That's it. for 90 minutes. <laughs> What's that, Andrew? <laughs> I bet everybody's looking it up. That's Oklahoma pricey, but right. Uh, but is what they describe on the web? They don't say sex. And then I can say it may not be. May not be no sex. She may yeah. spank you a little sex bit. Sex in the champagne room. I'd be yeah, bad. They, they, bad I mean, boy. That's well, how they if, do it on all. They're not going to say sex. They'll say companionship or whatever. And okay, uh, but if she wasn't having, if they weren't paying her for sex. Is there anything illegal about that nope, business? No, nope, but they—that's a good question, they, actually. Yeah, yeah, that'd be totally legal. But uh, nah, I can't see this chick doing it for free. Wow. Adult diapers. That's well, she's not doing it for rubber free. gloves. She's doing it for a lot, but I, I, I think prostate massages or something. I'm gonna have to that. get it. I'm gonna have to ask her these questions directly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to interview. You. She That's probably it. has written all of that equipment off. Yeah, right. LLC, this thing's yeah. under half of that square footage is uh, yeah, she is a almost, business. She and gets some depreciation on those items, huh? right? I think she had a good plan. Right. Well, she didn't. So she didn't. That's cute. Uh oh, banjos. Banjos. I think your criminal's smarter than my criminal. I'm bringing this my criminal home with me. Yeah, well, you can bring my to, criminal home with you as to, well if to you'd do like. a TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> my criminal is a 19-year-old named Zachariah. 19-year-old Zachariah and his pal Pete wanted to go to Tuesday happy hour, but there was one small problem. One happy hour or Tuesday. No, Pete, ha- Pete had to go to work. Oh. oh yeah. And Pete worked at the Ford assembly plant uh. near Kansas City. These pals were determined to find a way to get Pete out of work, but couldn't come up with anything. So Pete headed off to work. Then the light bulb went off for Zachariah. I had a bomb threat. <laughs> a little while later, Pete heard the announcement to evacuate. Oh, my God. As they headed to the bar, a story came over the radio saying that the plant had been evacuated and production halted as dozens of officers responded after a caller said they were barricaded in a second-floor bathroom with firearms and explosives. Nice. Over two thousand nice. people nice. had to be evacuated because of Zachariah's call. Authorities say some uh, uh, say actually it was twenty two hundred. Authorities say that Zachariah claimed to have an AK forty seven with three spare magazines oh and a pound of C four strapped to his chest. Might have been overdoing right, it, to just getting your buddy out of uh, work for a little happy hour. Peterson told Pete not to worry, as he had downloaded an app that promised to conceal his phone number before he made the call. Mm. Unfortunately for Zachariah, the free version of that app, um, uh, <laughs> the free version of that app was easy for police to identify and hack. It wasn't long before authorities identified Zachariah. The cost to today's genius, uh, Zachariah Peterson. Could be up to seven years in prison and a ten thousand dollar fine if he is found guilty of making a terroristic threat. In any event, we find him guilty of being a dumb criminal who earned yeah, some banjos and some. Gives a shout out for being a good friend to his buddy, but dumb criminal for doing that. Definitely it's a dumb criminal. Called overdoing right. it. And we're going to go That's ahead and cut out a little early today. Yeah. We've yeah. got some uh, yeah, some one minute business to attend to. Yes, we love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. Go follow us and like and share and leave reviews and all that good stuff. That's right. And until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. 
For Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Emily Ryan.